Okay, if you keep your Bibles open there to the book of uh, Matthew, I'll be grateful. Gentlemen, I'll use the pulpit mic instead of the lapel. Uh, before we get started, I want to, first of all, I enjoyed this song by Malin so much. Where's Malin at? Malin, thank you. I owe you an apology. I referred to you twice this morning as Marilyn and not Malin. Would you forgive me, please? I am sorry. <laughs> And thank you. I, did, I didn't know your name, so I just misread it on the sheet. There are so many names I was reading, and I, that was my mistake, and I'm sorry. And I, I will try not to call you Marilyn again. <laughs> All right. Um, tonight, I want to share with you some truths that I've learned, things I've been taught over the years, and things hopefully be helpful to you. I want to call them essentials for spiritual success. Essentials for spiritual success. What does the word essential mean? Something that's absolutely necessary. And these things are necessary, absolutely necessary, for us to succeed in our Christian life, to succeed spiritually. And I hope that you'll write them down. There's five of them tonight. These are things, little quotes I've heard over the years, and a couple of them I've made up myself. But they all kind of overlap and I hope that you'll write them down and hope they'll mean as much to you as they do to me. Maybe it's something you might, one of them might speak to you in a powerful way. You can write down and put it in your refrigerator, on your, uh, on your mirror, in your ba bathroom, or write them in your Bible if it means a lot to you. But think, again, things I've learned, things have been taught to me. Number one, the first essential for spiritual success is if you don't get alone, you will not be able to stand alone. If you do not get alone you will not be able to stand alone. Look here again to Matthew chapter 14, the verse we read. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up in the uh, mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Notice in the scripture text here, Jesus made it a necessary arrangements to get alone with his father. He made the necessary arrangements to get alone with his father. It said in verse 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship. The word constrained means compelled due to necessity. Jesus, in his humanity, realized how important to have a walk with his father. And he made the necessary arrangements to have time alone with God. And so what did he do? He constrained his disciples to get in the ship. He sent the multitudes away. He went up the mountain by himself to pray. And I always thought about it. If Jesus felt time alone with God was necessary, how much more should we feel that time alone with God is necessary? And if you do not get alone, you will not be able to stand alone. Sometimes in Christian life, you may have to stand alone for the Lord. You get around unbelievers and all doing something wrong or saying something contrary to the Bible. And they ask you what you think. In order for you to stand alone, it'd be based upon how well you did in getting alone with God. Even sometimes among Christians, in an activity where they're compromising the truths of Scripture, if you don't get alone, you'll not be able to stand alone. There's a song by Ron Hamilton. He says, my quiet time alone gives me power to obey. And how true that is, the power to obey, to stand alone, comes when we are able uh, to get along with God. Letter B, 
Jesus made time for uninterrupted prayer. He made time for uninterrupted prayer. Look with me, if you please. Go over to the book of Mark, chapter 1, please. Mark, chapter 1. We saw when he was disciples, he sent them to the ship. He sent the multitudes away, and he went up the mountain apart, and there was alone to be with his Father in heaven. But also he made time for uninterrupted prayer. Look in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, please. Mark 1, 35. You got Matthew, Mark, the next book, verse chapter 135, verse 35. It says, And in the morning, rising up great while before the day, he went out, departed in a solitary place, and there what? Prayed. In other words, he needed a time uninterrupted, a time alone with God, not to be interrupted. If you have a family, especially kids, it'd be hard to find time alone. And when did Jesus set aside time to pray? Early in the morning. Chances are before all his disciples were awake. He got alone. He rose up early in the morning. Before day. And went out and departed to a solitary place by himself. And there prayed. Interesting throughout the Bible. Many people spent time with prayer in the morning. How many of you are morning people? How many of you are more evening people? You know I'm more of an evening person. But I'm finding and as I get older. That, I, that time in the morning it can be is very important. I find that my mind's more fresh. It's not clouded by all kinds of things during the day. And notice in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, I believe the verse will be on the screen. David said, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning I will direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Interesting. David prayed in the morning. Psalm 63, verse 1. He said, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee as flesh longeth for thee, and thy, my flesh, excuse me, longeth for thee as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So David said early. So whether it's early or evening, it's important for you, if you want to stand up for the Lord, is to have time alone with God. You will not be able to stand alone if you're not able to get alone. Jesus did. Number two. Number two, if you do not come apart, you will come apart. If you do not come apart, you will come apart. Turn to me now to Mark, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. When I use the word come apart, I mean an idea when you're not come apart from everybody else. Again, the idea of getting alone by yourself with God. If you don't come apart to do that, when the pressures of life comes, you will come apart. <laughs> In Mark 6, verse 30. Mark 6, verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And notice verse 31. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves, what? Apart into a desert place and rest for a while, for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat, and they departed into a desert place by the ship by ship privately. Notice again in verse thirty one, and he said, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest for a while. First of all, 
you need to come apart physically. Come apart physically. To physically set yourself apart from others and get alone with God. Jesus saw the need for disciples to rest. You know, interesting, part of that verse 41 talks, reminds me of today, life today. He says that many were coming and going, and they had no leisure as so much need. I think of vacation Bible school. During that three hours in the morning, people are coming and going, and you don't have any time to do anything uh, at all during that time. And maybe that's the way you feel. If you're a mother with a house full of kids, maybe that you think of that verse. They are coming and going. You have no leisure, even so much to eat. And so that's the way they were. They were so busy in the ministry that the Lord says, you need to rest. You need to come apart and rest. So they need to come apart physically and rest. Letter B, you need to come apart not only physically, but spiritually. You need to come apart spiritually. Someone said this, there's a time to minister and there's a time to be ministered unto. Let me say that again. There's a time to minister, a time to be active, serving the Lord, and part of the ministry, ministering to others, but also there's a time to be ministered unto. So many Christians are so involved in the ministry, they have very little time to themselves, and sometimes very little time is spent with the Lord. Someone once said, you can get so busy doing the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. You can get so busy doing the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. And you need to have time to come apart spiritually. That's the reason the importance for retreats. You ever been on a retreat before? Whether it be a marriage retreat, couples retreat, family retreat, ladies or men's retreat. It's a time that you come apart and be ministered unto. And that is so important. We need to come apart physically and have time to rest. Those of you that are workaholics, that's a good message for you. You work and work and work and never have little time to rest. And eventually it's going to affect you, in fact, the effectiveness of your work. So you need to come apart physically and come apart spiritually. You ever heard the term burnout? That is a thing that's being very common among Christians today, especially among pastors. They're so busy, they burn themselves out. And here's a little, uh, find it here. Definition of burnout. Burnout is commonly described as an exhausted state in which a person loses interest in a particular activity, his ministry, and even life in general. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, social, and spiritual exhaustion. It can lead to diminished health, social withdrawal, depression, and spiritual dissatisfaction. Many times, burnout is a result of an extended period of exerted in a particular task. Generally, there's no obvious payoff or end in sight. Burnout can be common among those in vocational Christian ministry and those highly involved in churches. The best definition of burnout, I hope you write it down, that burnout is when your output exceeds your input. When your output exceeds your input. When you're constantly putting out spiritually. I think of our teachers during the year in our Christian school. Every day, eight hours a day, they're putting out, putting out, putting out spiritually teaching. And basically, it'd be easy for them to burn out. So if your output exceeds your input, the result will be burnout. So basically, 
you need time to come apart or you will what? Come apart. Number three. Number three. If you do not learn to kneel, you will never learn to stand. If you do not learn to kneel, you will never learn to stand. There's two examples of this in the Bible. The first one is Jesus. Look with me in Matthew 26, please. Matthew 26. Again, notice how these overlap in many ways, but teach important truths. If you don't learn to spend time in prayer and kneel before God, you'll never be able to stand for him. So many people try to stand for the Lord in their own strength, and they fail every time. In Matthew 26, if you would please look in verse 36, Matthew 26 and verse 36. Here we find one of the reasons why Christ was able to stand before the Sanhedrin, before Pilate, and eventually go to the cross because the time he spent in prayer. In verse 36, Matthew 26, 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go pray yonder. And he took with him, notice who he took with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Who was that? James and John. These are taught the three, the inner circle. He took them with him, and it says, And began to be sorrowful and very heavy. He saith unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, watch with me. Verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My O Father, if thou possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. What was the cup he referring to? There's uh, many things people think of her to. It basically, it's a cup of judgment. And maybe he's thinking about the cross. He was thinking he knew what he had to go through. He knew to fill scripture, he had to be beaten. He had to be criticized, ostracized. He had to be slapped. He had to be spit upon. After all that, he was beaten with a, you know, with a whip 39 times. Then after that, he was crucified. And maybe in his humanity, not his deed, humanity, Lord, if there's any other way I could pay for sin, let it be so, but nevertheless, let thy will be done. Others say the cup was the fact that he knew on the cross when he becomes sin, he would be separated from his father. One thing he never experienced in all eternity past as separation from the father when he became sin for us, what did God the father do for him? Turned his back on him. And many people, that's what he was referring to. He was not looking forward to that, either in his humanity or his deity. He was only, he said, nevertheless, let thy will be done. Let this cup pass from me. Then he said in verse 40, after he prayed that, he cometh unto disciples and findeth them what? Asleep. <laughs> now he told them to watch and pray with me. And after he prayed for, I went back to them. What were they doing? <laughs> they were sleeping. And saith unto Peter, could, said, what, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, 
except I drink it, thy will be done. So he prayed the same thing again. He's praying for God's strength in the midst of all this. In verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again. <laughs> Other words, the ones he counted on the most, he took his innermost circle, Peter, James, and John, brought them with him. So listen, I want you to stay here and watch and pray with me. I'm going to go yonder. So he goes and prays for him, comes back, and what does he find him doing? Sleeping. He wakes him up and says, can't you watch and pray with me? Then he goes back and prays again, comes back, what does he find him doing? Sleeping again. Verse 44. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, saith to them, Sleep on now, take your west, rest, and behold, the hour is at hand that the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. I believe this time he spent in prayer allowed him to stand alone for God. Because right after this, in verse 47, we see Judas come with the men, and he betrayed the Lord. And what did Peter do when the, when the men from the Sanhedrin came to arrest him? He put out a sword and cut off the ear of one of the uh, soldiers. What did Jesus do? Now, we know another scripture says he picked up the ear and put it back on his head. Now, if anything will make me a believer, that would have, <laughs> if I was a man who lost my ear. But basically, then he said, listen, settle down. He says in verse 53, thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he would presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. In other words, he says, I do not need to do that. I can stand alone for God because I spent time on my knees. I spent time. If you don't learn to kneel, you'll never learn to stand. We can learn that from Jesus. So after he did that, the first thing that happened to him, he was betrayed by Judas. Then, in chapter 26, verse 56, all the disciples forsook him. The latter part of verse 56, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. All during his ministry, he had the opposition of the, of the religious leaders. The Pharisees constantly hassled him, gave him problems and, and during the ministry, all that. But he has 12 disciples that encouraged him and prayed with him and so on. But now when he needed them the most, he realized his end was coming, and he spent time in prayer in Gethsemane, and he was ready to go stand. All of a sudden, one of them betrays him. Then after that, all of them forsake him. And then he has to stand alone. Why did he stand alone? Because he kneeled, had time in prayer with God. And if you don't learn to kneel, you'll never learn to stand. And so... He was able to stand before the Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin in verses 57 through 68. Then he stood before Pilate, the Roman governor, in chapter 17, verses 11 through 14. So Jesus, one who modeled the fact that if you don't learn to kneel, you never learn to stand. But another example I want to give you is Moses. Is Moses. Turn with me now to the book of Numbers, please. Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's interesting, I, when I was trying to prepare this message, so many times when the Jewish people come in opposition to get Moses, you know where you found him? You find him on his face. 
you find him praying. Over and over and over again, when the Jewish people approached Moses and blamed him for many things that they had to go through, the first thing he did is he fell on his face. And that was symbolic. He bowed and prayed, Lord, I can't handle this without you. Let me give you an example of that. Chapter 14 and verse 1. And all the congregation lift up. Let me back up and give the context here. This is right after he sent the 12 spies in the promised land. And when they came back, what did they do? Two of them come back with a good report. Ten came back with an evil report. In fact, one of them, Caleb, says, well, well, Abel, let's go in and take the land. And ten of them says, we cannot do it. These have high-walled cities. There's giants in the land. We cannot take it. And notice what the congregation responded in verse four, chapter one, 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured, what? Against who? Against Moses. They began now to blame him for this. Moses, and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would to God that we had died in the land of Egypt, and would to God we had died in the wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children that they should be a prey, wherein is not better for us to return to Egypt. And verse 4, And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, a leader, and lead us to return into Egypt. And notice how Moses responded. Verse 5, And Moses and Aaron, what? Fell on their faces. Let me give another situation of the same thing. Chapter 16, if you will please. Chapter 16. Another time when they were confronted in a very situa serious situation, we find Moses praying. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Kor, the son of Iskar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, Abraham, and the sons of Eliab, said, and On, the son of Peleth, the son of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses, and certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes, assembly, famous, and congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves, what? Together against Moses, against Aaron, and began to say, you take too much upon yourself, seeing that all the congregation is holy, every one of them, the Lord is among them, Wherefore, then lift ye yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And notice in verse 4, how did Moses respond? And Moses heard it, he fell on his face. He said, if I'm going to stand against all the opposition, my people, I need to pray. I need to get on my knees. And he did that. He did that in chapter 14 and chapter 16 again in chapter 16, verse 19 through 22, chapter 16, 41 through 45. Every time he was approached and people opposed him, we find him to be able to stand for God. He needed to first kneel. How, by the way, how often do you fall on your face? I'm not talking about physically flatten your face on the ground, but how often do you get on your knees before God? Now, if I'm going to be able to stand before God, I need to be able to learn to kneel, whether it be standing in your home, Standing against your peers, standing, how often do you get alone with the Lord? Number four. Number four. Oh, let me go any further. Hope you write these down. These are what I have in the back of my Bible. Again, little quotes concerning 
kneeling and standing. First quote, he who kneels most stands best. He who kneels most stands best. Another quote I have in the back of my Bible. When in spiritual warfare, advancement is made on one's knees. When in spiritual warfare, advancement is made on one's knees. And the next one I've learned from Angie Massey, one of the missionaries, he said it all the time. He said, on your knees, the devil flees. I like that, don't you? On your knees, the devil flees. Again, it's talking about if you don't learn to kneel, you'll never learn to stand. Number four. Let me back up again. The first one, if you do not get alone, you will not be able to stand alone. If you do not come apart, you will come apart. If you do not learn to kneel, you will never learn to stand. And number four, if you do not practice having a recess, you will not enjoy having success. If you do not practice having a recess, you will not enjoy having success. And when I use the word recess, I'm talking about a quiet, secluded place to spend time alone with God. A recess, a, a quiet, secluded place to spend time with God. Interesting. Go with me now to the book of Joshua, please. Joshua, excuse me, God told Joshua to spend time in his word day and night. God told Joshua to spend time in his word, day and night, to have a time of recess, to spend time alone with God. Joshua 1.8, many of you know this verse. Joshua 1.8, look at it with me, please. Joshua 1.8, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua 1, verse 8. Here God, by the way, let me give the context here. Moses is dead. And God raised up a new leader. His name was Joshua. And now he gives Joshua the key to success as a leader of Israel. They're going to go into the promised land. They're going to have many battles against the enemy. And here he gives the key to success. It's not the, probably the key you would think he would give them. The information he gave. But notice what he said in Joshua 1.8. He said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein how often? Day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good what? Like, wait, please. Joshua was going to lead his people into battle. Not necessarily spiritual battle, but physical battle. They were going to fight with uh, swords and spears. And you think God, basically... He said, no, this sword shall not depart out of your hand, but you shall begin to use it, swing and learn how to use it so you can be a good uh, soldier. He didn't say that at all. He didn't talk about anything about fighting physically. He said, if you want to be prosperous and successful, it's based upon how much time you spend in the Word of God. That's, that's true for you. You can do all kinds of things physically to prepare yourself for the ministry. Nothing wrong with them. But God told Joshua to spend time in his word, how often? Day and night. Next, letter B. Time in God's word brings spiritual strength and prosperity. Time in God's word brings spiritual strength and prosperity. Go now to Psalm chapter 1. Let go of Joshua. 
Again, we're talking about if you do not practice having recess, you will not enjoy having success. So if I want to have success as a Christian in my personal life, success as a parent, as a husband, as a pastor, I need to make sure I have time to recess, a time alone with God, spending time in his word. If I don't practice having recess, I will not enjoy having success. In Psalm 1, notice it's very similar to what God told Joshua, and now David's telling us. Psalm 1, verse 1, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, <clears throat> nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But notice verse 2, but his delight, what? Is in the law of the Lord, and in his, in his law doth he meditate how often? Did, you, did that sound familiar? The same thing that God told Joshua to be successful. And notice, notice the results. He says, first of all, he said, and he shall be, first of all, he shall be strong. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A person has a tree that's by the rivers has constant source of water, of nourishment, and it stands strong. If you want to stand strong, you need to have constant source of nourishment in God's word. He shall be like a tree planted by the water. Then he shall be fruitful, that bringeth forth fruit in his season. Also he shall flourish. His leaf also shall not wither, and you shall prosper. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. In both of these, we're learning the key to having success is based upon you practicing having a time of recess in God's word. Number five. Number five. Let me repeat these again because I want you to remember them. If you do not get alone, you will not be able to stand alone. If you do not come apart, you will come apart. If you do not learn to kneel, you will never learn to stand. If you do not practice having recess, you will not enjoy having success. And the last one, I put this together, together myself, but I hope you understand it. If you do not seek to be renewed, you will come unglued. If you do not seek to be renewed in God's word daily, you will come unglued. Many Christians, because of the pressure of the ministry, the pressures of life, of spiritual exhaustion, become unglued, fall apart, and say, I can't take it anymore. If you do not seek to be renewed daily in God's word, you will come unglued. Real quickly, letter A. We need spiritual renewal every day. We need spiritual renewal every day. Not every week. Some of you, the only time you spend in God's Word is here on Sundays. You bring your Bibles, you follow along in preaching in Sunday school, and you spend time in God's Word. And many of you go home, set your Bible on the shelf, and don't open it the next, till the next Sunday. But the Bible says you need to renew yourself every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is what? Renewed day by day. Spiritual renewal gives us strength to handle the storms and pressures of life. So many Christians experience pressures, storms in life, and just fall apart. They come unglued, can't handle it, can't take it. And yet, because they didn't spend time to be renewed in God's word. 1 Corinthians 10.13, to be on the screen. Look at that with me, please. 
Paul said, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, the word temptation here has twofold meaning. It can mean, what, uh, it can mean a solicitation to evil. Basically, you're tempted to sin. But also the word temptation talks about testings, testings. And I believe it can be applied either way. So let's apply this talking about testings, the pressures of life. So there hath no testing taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tested above that which you're able, but will with the testing also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. Basically, the way to escape Basically, he, talking about God, will at the same time he allows you to be tested or tried to befall us, makes a way of deliverance. He will save us from being entirely overcome by it, that you may be able to bear it. That means to bear up under it and to endure it. God knows what his people are able to endure. As he has entire control of all that comes into our lives, he will adapt all trials to their strength, and will enable them to bear all that is appointed to them. Say, so, Pastor, if God would not allow me to be tempted above and able, tested above and able, then why do I fall apart so much? Because you're not renewing yourself. You need to renew yourself how often? Every day. When you get up in the morning, I, I don't want to embarrass my wife, but one thing my wife does every single morning, she spends time in God's Word. There are some exceptions, but there are very, very few. And I've noticed over the years things that used to bother her and things used to test her that I don't see bothering that much anymore. You know why? Because every day she renews herself in the Bible. And that, that way she doesn't come unglued. How about you? Do you have times when you just say, I can't take it anymore? I'm losing it. It's too much for me. Then you ask yourself, since God will not allow you to be tested above your able, is the problem with God? Or the problem with you. But we found out God is what? He's faithful. He will not allow you to be tested above you able. So the problem is not God. If pressures come in your life and you lose it and you come unglued and you blow it and all of that aspect, you say, my friend, the problem isn't God. He's faithful. The problem is you have not renewed yourself that you might not become unglued. We must be renewed in God's word. Real quickly, two more verses. We must be renewed in God's word. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Talking about God's word. And lastly, our lives are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our lives are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Many of you know this verse, Romans 12.2. And be not conformed to the world but being what? Transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning your former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind. So basically, listen carefully. If you don't seek to be renewed, you will come unclued. Now let me quote this again. We're going to close. I hope this has been a help to you. These are things I've learned, the things I've been taught over the years. Hopefully, they will help you. Again, number one, if you do not get alone, 
you will not be able to stand alone. Number two, if you do not come apart, you will come apart, whether it be physically or spiritually. If you do not learn to kneel, you will never learn to stand. Number four, if you do not practice having a recess, you will not enjoy having success. And lastly, if you do not seek to be renewed, you will come unglued. So basically, they kind of overlap each other. It's just saying this, Christian, in order for you to be successful and prosper in your Christian life, an effective ministry that you desire to have, you need to have time with God every single day to get alone with him. Apart from that, remember, Jesus saw the need of that. He constrained disciples, go in the mountain, get away from here, get in your ship and leave. He sent the multitude away, and he got in the mountain all alone. And I asked myself, if Jesus needed it, how much more do I need it? How much more do you need it? So I hope that you'll take those, go back over them, and apply them to your life. Let's bow together, please. Dear Father in heaven, these are very simple, practical, and overlapping truths, but I hope they would be understandable and hit home to many here tonight. I, help us to be effective in our ministry, whether we're called in our home, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a Christian, at work, at church. Our effectiveness in the ministry depends on that time we have alone with you. So, Father, help us to take these truths and apply them to our lives that we may be successful in all that you call us to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.